Hi everyone, I'm Carla Bello, the CEO for the Center for Automotive Research, joined today by Bernard Swicky, Director of Research here at CAR. And we're only gonna cover, you know, a couple topics today. The big one is the announcement from yesterday for the North American Car and Truck of the Year. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about VinFast and other interesting new ways to sell cars in the future. Stay tuned. Hi everyone, I'm Carla Bello from the Center for Automotive Research and welcome to our podcast. We're starting a brand new year here in 2022. Interesting things came out of CES and then we just had the NAC Toy Awards. So let's let's dig first into the NAC Toy Awards. And we saw the Honda Civic and the Ford Bronco and the Ford Maverick. You know, these are some really interesting products and no EVs no EVs, you know, unlike Motor Trend Car of the Year. So let's first start with the Civic. I mean, who can argue with the Civic? The Civic is a fabulous car. There are loyalists that will buy Civics, I think, forever. They last a long time ergonomically. They're great. They've improved the ride and the NVH so that you feel like you're in a much larger car. Um, you know, I, I don't think there are many arguments with that product for sure. But let's talk a little bit about the Maverick and the Bronco. And let's start with the Maverick. Maverick, front wheel drive truck. Business model that's been doomed for years. Nobody wants this kind of a product. We've seen introductions that have just fallen flat. They say the difference this time is when you're in it, it feels like a truck performs like a truck. So, you know, Ford did some magic. You know, is is that going to be enough in that segment, Bernard, with all your studies on small compact pickups and, you know, the ones on the, the monocoque versions have just failed miserably. You know, does yeah. this one poise for success? Carla, all indications appear to be that the answer is yes. You know, and I think it's a uh, it's an indication of the greater division of the market that we've got, because of course the hardcore truck buyers, they still have their you know full size pickup trucks, including you know many coming electric versions of those pickup trucks. Um, you know, but I think if you're a buyer who's honest about what it is you need out of a truck, a vehicle like the Maverick is actually a, a fabulous fit. Uh, and yes, it's a unibody vehicle. It doesn't have a frame, but most folks who will buy a pickup that size will never tow to begin with. Uh, the probability of that vehicle going off-road is also quite low. So, you know, I, I think, you know, and I've kind of had this thought for a long time that if most pickup buyers were honest about what it is that they need from their pickup, um, you know, only a small selection actually need the full capabilities of something like a, an F-150 or a Ram or a Silverado, and for the average buyer, that Maverick works just fine. And it's also really nice to see that in a market of just such escalating sticker prices, this thing comes out with this remarkably affordable sticker price. And, you know, it, it's really resonating with people. It's, it's a fascinating thing to see. So if we compare it to a Colorado or the Honda Ridgeline or the new Nissan Frontier, which also has just been getting great accolades, what is the price differential about? Oh, yeah, we're talking um, just under $20,000 to start for the Maverick um, and well, well above that by an order of thousands for each of those other vehicles. And, you know, of course, 
Uh, the Maverick, by the way, starts at that price with a hybrid engine, which uh, is also kind of pretty mm -hmm. cool to see that as the stock, the standard offering. Uh, and there's an upgrade available from that. Um, but yes, it is smaller and and again, it is a unibody vehicle. So, mm -hmm. you know, those other competitors all have frames uh, and that is a difference. However, you know, as the U.S. market has transitioned away from body on frame vehicles for everything other than trucks, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think to consumers, this is a difference that's just transparent. You know, they, they really don't do the homework on this. And I can tell you, I do a lot of presentations and I often, you know, really stick to the point of, you know, that is not an SUV, that is a CUV, and there are strict definitions about what, what is one and what is the other. And to be honest, consumers don't care. Um, you know, they, they don't see the market that way. <laughs> you're right, you're right. To, to them, a truck is a truck, and the underlying sort of structure of it, you know, this is all just kind of behind the scenes. And sometimes I wonder how much, you know, people are starting to view vehicles the way that they view electronics, where, you know, who cares what's underneath? You know, uh, the last couple of cars I've bought, when I come to a friend's house, even if that friend is automotive, one thing we don't usually do is pop the hood open and check out, hey, what's this thing got under the hood? Uh, and that used to be just a standard thing. Uh, and now even automotive folks are much less concerned about what's under the hood and much more concerned about when I get into this vehicle, what's the user experience like? beyond a shadow and you know that price differential is striking and you know we've said for years that similar to other countries like Mexico and Brazil and Thailand the need for a reasonably priced small utility pickup um, is there it's an unmet need and I, I think because of the past failures in our market people were afraid but this might break that wide open and when we heard I heard today the average price for a new vehicle is now in the $47,000 range. I mean, that prices so many people out of the market. So to have a utility vehicle, front wheel drive, um, you know, which, which helps a lot in, in weather and things like that, this, this car might be poised to sell. We'll have to watch it. Do we call it a car or a truck according to definition? <laughs> I think according to modern standards, we, we stop being technical. We just go okay. with a truck. We All go right, with we'll the call truck. it a truck. Yeah. Oh, no, but you mentioned earlier the Civic, you know, and I find the Civic, uh, it's, it's interesting for some of the same reasons, because Right now, the midsize sedan is really struggling, but there is, I think, kind of a much more loyal band of folks who are still buying small cars. Uh, and this caters to that. And I think maybe some of that same dynamic is going to fuel the Maverick as well. Um, you know, a lot of folks who were buying midsize sedans made that migration to CUVs and SUVs. Um, but I think that's less likely for small car buyers and now they do have a more trucky alternative, even if it isn't, you know, strictly speaking on paper, a truck, but it fits. Uh, and I think, you know, sure. we're now finally, you know, going to that part of the market that had previously, I think, been neglected more than it deserved to be. Yeah, I think time will tell, but I think you're fundamentally right. We'll watch it, of course, at car. Then. The Bronco, this is the one that surprised me the most, and I'll be very honest. And, you know, it, it's it's re revitalizing a, a nameplate, that's for sure. Some people like the styling, some people don't. But the quality problems, 
you know, mm -hmm. they have just been mired in quality problems. And how does that al allow someone to win the, the North American car truck of the year mm -hmm. when you have other competitors that haven't had those problems? This one kind of blows me away. Yeah, Carla, for me, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think maybe the public is willing to treat this just a little bit more with a little bit more tolerance for two reasons. One, it's, you know, a brand new from the ground up vehicle that's kind of a unique niche um, that you sort of think of a little bit differently than, than maybe most vehicles. But I think it's also the case that so far, the majority of the problems seem to be centered around the roof and, you know, novel elements of that vehicle. And I think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a different reaction to that than if we were having, you know, engine and transmission problems, things like that. Uh, but I think maybe consumers are more willing to give things a pass if it's something like this new creative kind of atypical roof. And maybe it's a little bit more understandable that that takes uh, some honing to to get out of the gate. Well, I maybe, but I, I think the judging panel still has to take in the holistic picture. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see the pushback that comes from this. And then, you know, if there are any changes to how the judging is done in the future, because it just... I don't know, it just kind of grinds at my craw that somebody yeah. could have those issues and still get uh, that accolade. Um, but then again, the competition uh, to have was, eh. yeah, so, so yeah. we'll just put although, it that way. Although what I do love about it is, you know, this is a vehicle for enthusiasts. You know, this, this is something uh, with kind of a passionate, uh, intent behind it, something that people buy because that's what they really like. And then they yeah. have so many options to customize it and kind of make it their own in some unique way. So as someone who loves the product, you know, is, and genuinely gets excited about what it is our industry produces, uh, it does my heart good to, to see these products go out and still capture, capture the imagination of the buying public to this degree. And, and I think you're 100% right about the customization aspect. And I think we're going to start seeing that more and more strongly. I mean, we saw Mercedes with the, the paint that can change colors and out at CES. And I said, oh, it's just a gimmick, you know, and, and somebody much younger than me said, no, it's really pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, we can, you can change it depending on how you want to be that day. And, and they didn't think it was a gimmick at all. So I quickly retracted my statement, mm -hmm. but this customization is going to become more and more important. And as we've seen with some of the mini city cars, really important to the, to the public and to the Gen Z's and, and people much younger than me. So let's talk about the other big news that we're seeing happening, and that's new ways to buy and sell cars. Um, VinFast, you know, came out with their unique offering, and, and, and they had a huge display at CES, by the way, very well-manned booth. And, um, you know, we saw GM come out with their new idea yesterday for, for used car. You know, Ford's already been doing it. Um, you know, all of this is a change for the dealership model. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, the public is screaming for it. Let's be clear on that. The public would love to have other ways of buying cars than having to go through a dealer. Um, but there's agreements with dealers and the dealer network is strong. And without a dealer network, can you survive in our market? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, especially you told me you just put a deposit on a VinFast car. So tell me about that. Yeah, I did. I did. And, you know, it's it's interesting because 
Um, you know, I've worked at Car my whole career. So I'm one of those buyers that walks into a dealership with, I think, more information than the typical buyer. And I, I want, you know, very sort of matter of fact, uh, I want to know all the information and have it all in front of me. And in this case, here I am putting down a deposit on a vehicle where I really don't know what kind of uh, quality and other performance uh, attributes it's going to have. Uh, furthermore, I don't even know my total cost because the deposit is for the vehicle itself and you have to lease the battery separately. And at this point, I don't know what that lease payment is going to be. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you so have what to prompted you to do it? I mean, why did this car product just make you say, yeah, I want that when it's available? Of course, you have the option to back out you do. if once yeah. you get the details, it's not your cup of tea. But uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about the motivation. Well, you know, it's interesting, Carla, I think I had to make a mental switch away from how I have always bought vehicles and basically treat this as if I were buying personal electronics, you know, as if it's, um, you know, a cell phone or a new receiver or something like that. Uh, and then you have a little bit of a different um, approach, because then you're suddenly more willing to accept a little bit of uncertainty. Of course, it does help that you can back out. Um, but if you don't think of it that same way, uh, and you apply that different mindset, suddenly there's a little bit more willingness to, to deal with uncertainty uh, and to see how it shakes out. Um, so, you know, the, the real question is this, if I do plunk down uh, on that vehicle ultimately, and I do order it, do I have enough confidence for it to be my primary vehicle? Mm -hmm. You know, do I get rid sure. of my current primary uh, because, you know, I don't have the range anxiety and the reliability anxiety and all of those things. Yeah, so, you I know, guess for, that depends on the infrastructure, right? And if we ever too. get, get more too. dollars allocated towards investing in infrastructure beyond what's in the infrastructure bill. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. I want it to be part of this new way that folks deal with buying a vehicle. Um, and I think this will kind of help me become a little bit more familiar with that. But it is a trend that's catching on massively. And frankly, this question of service, what happens if I have an issue on a vehicle where I don't know what the quality is going to be? Uh, it's definitely there in the back of my head. I do definitely want to know more before get, you know, getting myself into a contract that is truly solid. <laughs> well, I, I think there's one thing that I'd like to make a bold prediction. We're going to see more and more of these unique selling propositions and ways coming based on consumer demand and simplicity. Mm -hmm. Everything else we order, it's, it, you know, you order it. If it's not what you wanted, you just send it back. It's not painful at all. Um, you know, so how are the car companies going to deal with sending it back? Wasn't what you wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and it, there's a whole lot of things to think about, but I think we're going to see a lot more. And, and again, it's what the consumer wants. They don't want to be beholden to the dealer. Yeah. yeah so on that Ooh. note, I, I think we've reached the end of our podcast. Thank you, Bernard, for all your thoughts today. Thank you, Carla.